Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. <laughs> We're here. <sighs> what happened? Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, starting with Rob. Hi, I'm uh, Crystal Matar. Uh, I wrote uh, Paternus. <laughs> Mike? Crystal Matar, and I also wrote Paternus. And Dirk Ashton. Uh, I'm uh, Dirk Ashton, and... Look. And uh, <laughs> and, uh and, and I wrote all I wrote all the books. Hey, we are Logan, joined by Crystal Matar, who's dealing with a dog at the moment. So I thought I'm that just... was a sound effect. You no. <laughs> Crystal, if you want to deal with that, I can just pause your. I can just uh, mute your video if you want yeah, to go okay. off and do that. That's probably start why. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> This episode, we're going to be talking about a response to a listener question that A.M. Crenshaw sent into the show. They wrote, how do you make a compelling villain? Um, and they just basically want to know uh, what's our process for that um, and the kind of specific ways that you can introduce or reveal the villains um, to set them up as interesting. Uh, and he, they cited Darth Vader as an example of a villain who has a wonderful introduction that immediately establishes who they are, why they're a threat, and makes you interested in the story. So let's start off really broad. What do you guys think makes an interesting antagonist? I prefer the term antagonist rather than to villain. Be honest, because just, I think villain just, is... just off, uh, Darth Vader is actually uh, a brilliant example, not just because of who he, who he is and everything, but because of what he represents. He's this dark force that is literally chasing the heroes throughout the entire story. He literally drives everything forwards just by being this this dark presence that is looming, that is you know really malicious and dangerous. And he's literally chasing the heroes throughout the entire story, um, and that's actually something that I quite I quite like to use in a few of my uh, 
a few of my stories. Um, in the second book I wrote, uh, Color of Vengeance, I literally have a character who was my Darth Vader character. Um, he's this like psychopathic Templar type character. Uh, and I just, I literally wanted him just to chase the main character throughout the entire story to have this constantly getting closer to ramp up the tension. So, you know, maybe starts like a week behind and then by the end of the book, you know, he's like, he's right there with him and there's the big clash. Um, and, uh, I just I love that as a sort of as a tactic to keep ramping up the tension throughout that book, having a, a constant chase of, of the mm. getting closer, um, which was quite fun, I find. But that's not really you've done that with a few of your books, actually. I must admit. <sighs> no, it is. It is. I think it's just a good type of. If we're going to categorize antagonists into, into different types, I think that's a good one to start with. Is that idea of the unstoppable force it's the terminator robot chasing you it's the darth vader pursuing you it's this horror monster that's closing in and is motivating the characters to get to the next location to get to safety to try to learn the way to stop them as quickly as possible so there's that's a great way to have constant tension you don't even need to develop the character that's that's one of the things like quite often the way to have a a good uh villain is to have a lot of character development around the villain as well as the hero to make them a a realistic character um but with something like darth vader i mean to be honest there's there's no real character development with darth vader in the first in the first film he he's literally just hey no here's this big menacing guy in black and that's it yep there's no character development for the Terminator. It works. He is literally a robot that's just chasing them. But it's still a compelling, terrifying villain. Absolutely. And I think a, a fictional example of this that's quite effective as well. I just finished reading Best Served Cold by Joe Abercrombie, which is amazing. Check it out if you haven't read it. It's great. And he has a character that's very Darth Vader-esque called Shanks, who is an assassin who is just relentlessly pursuing the main character throughout the book. And you feel a lot of tension because every time this assassin comes up against an obstacle, it's just not an obstacle to him. So you really fear for the main character's lives uh, for when they catch up to him. Crystal, what's your thoughts on compelling antagonists? What do you think makes a, a good antagonist for a story? Um, well, definitely that looming sense of fear, but then also sometimes if if you can kind of relate to them and question yourself a little bit, I, I really like writing like that, where it's like, man, that's so bad, but, oh, I don't know if in the same position would I make a different choice? I, I don't know. And I, I like writing and reading really driven character stuff like that, where it's like, I mean, everybody likes to talk about the morally gray, but, like... <laughs> We're all pretty morally gray if we think about it for a second. So it's it's just neat to play with expectations of goodness and understandable reasons for something not good. <laughs> and then so and then in my own in Brightwash I did the antagonist isn't so much any specific person as it is the entire system of their um, existence, their government, their power structure, everything um, is something that they're going to have to tear down. So that makes it everybody's problem, which is going to be really fun to 
dismantle throughout the series. I liked. I right. yeah. I think that's a good to, point. Is, um... <clears throat> Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. No, I was just gonna say. Yeah, to echo that. Like, I think it's it's great to think about the different forces of antagonism that can act towards a character. It doesn't just have to be this external character that's pursuing them. It can be their closest friends, closest relationships can also be a great source of antagonism because quite often they're Mandra the ones that know really how to hurt the main too. character the best. And that is yeah, well, the Mandra internal struggles that your characters face. Mm. <laughs> I keep um, And then, no, it's all good. It's all good. It's kind of annoying <laughs> when it's like, you're not in the same room. So I have experienced <laughs> yeah. that pain quite a bit before. <laughs> But I, I like the man versus wanna... self as well, where it's like the antagonist is within and you gotta, you have to decide if you're going to be the antagonist or the protagonist in the story. And um, I think a lot of people talk about Blackstone Heart in that way, where it's not totally given that this guy's the protagonist, although he's the main character, <laughs> so... It gets a little muddy. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I've actually kind of written anything with an actual antagonist. I tend to have, uh, uh, you know, I, the good guy, bad guy thing mostly bores me. So it's it's usually just a bunch of people doing their thing. And uh, there's there's not really a clear good side and bad side because that seems unrealistic. Yeah, no, that... dude, I read Beyond Redemption. That had an antagonist. Did yeah. It? Who, who oh, was yeah. the good guy? The good guy? Well, uh, it's not name... a good guy, but there was definitely an antagonist. It was, I can't even pronounce his name. It was, yeah. It was, it was yeah. a bad guy. He, he was quite clearly yeah. the bad guy. There were several of him. Well, yeah. <laughs> there, were, there were several of him. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, uh, I, I really think the, the main character in Beyond Redemption is a protagonist. You know, he does... He does stupid things, but, you know, he's no less a protagonist than Clint Eastwood is in Spaghetti Westerns, right? I mean, or no less a protagonist. And and basically, he's just looking out. The man with no name is just looking out for himself and doing what he can. But he ends up, you know, being a really compelling good guy so to speak. And I think your main character, I can't remember his name right now. What is it? Are you thinking uh, the aging sort uh, as bad, yeah, bad yeah. addict? Yeah. 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 I don't know. Bad Surely it's which addict. I think I said B-dect. Or B-dect. Yeah. You know, and that's, the, you know, the, the ending of that is not nearly as, as, as grim and miserable as, as, as a lot of grimdark is it's it's there's a there's a little spark there's a little spark of hope hope in his actions there <laughs> i think it's worthwhile clearing up we are kind of using the terms protagonist hero antagonist villain interchangeably but I, the way i kind of see it protagonist is just the people you're following in the story antagonists mm. are just the people or forces that are resisting their goals yeah. so that doesn't necessarily mean that protagonist is a good guy antagonist is the bad guy because yeah. as Chris, you pointed out before, like antagonist society, that's like, that's just a force that's sort of opposing the protagonists who are the people we're following. So I think, yeah, take the, 
take the good and bad out of it in that sense, um, because yeah. as Fletch pointed yeah. out, that sort of doesn't lead to too many interesting things. And just think about it in terms of what makes good opposing forces to create conflict with the main character. I um I wanted to play with multiple kinds of bad guys in um in the Paternus trilogy. Now, if anybody's read it, they know there are a million characters in those in those <laughs> books, but I've got like just the bad, nasty, nasty creature in Max that just does bad things um, because he likes it and because he wants to and he doesn't give a shit. Um, But then I've got kind of his boss, um, Claren, who's like kind of even nastier, but he's a lot more thoughtful and I give him his own pov kind of things so he has setbacks he has to deal with those he has to deal with other characters disrespecting him even though he's you know pretty claren is is a is a is a mighty powerful character and has led all the bad guys in a great war in the past and um and then i have uh another uh uh kushi who is supposed to be a really really nasty and has I think that's a sound effect. Jed just keeps. It's hitting. not a sound effect. I can tell you right now. <laughs> and uh, I, I have him kind of questioning and kind of turning around. Um, and there, there are a whole bunch of just mindless, mindless bad. But I, I really like exploring uh, different kinds of of antagonists, um, from, you know, the thoughtful ones to the you know mindless ones to the just plain bad um there there are a lot of different kinds and they pursue they do pursue my characters throughout the story but they're not always there and and they they aren't always what forces the main characters to do to do what they do and so and and i also have uh the good guys who are have done some all of them have done some really nasty shit in 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 their past and some of them <clears throat> still do but they're on the right side right so it's um, or at least the side we're following yeah, yeah i like we're i like their side. I li- right right um so uh it's it's fun to just kind of kind of play with play with that a little bit I think one of the heuristics that makes uh, for a good antagonist is how much conflict is this creating in the story? Is this the person that is the best suited or the force that is the best suited to tackle the weaknesses that exist within the protagonist? Um, and a, a few years ago, actually, I think it was Lessons from the Screenplay came out with an excellent video about the Dark Knight, where they were talking about this thesis about how the Joker is such a compelling villain in that movie because he knows the best way to target Batman's weaknesses, which is to target the people he cares about, to target the moral integrity of that city. And it's why he's a more interesting villain than someone who just comes along and is like, I'm going to blow things up for no reason. So I think when you're... And that as well, and that as well, is they're more complex and you don't really know what his motivations and his backstory are. And that also ties into the fact that Batman's whole thing is he tries to understand people so that he can defeat them and he can't understand this guy, which makes him yeah. so much more effective at being a source of conflict towards him. 
So I think when you're designing your particular antagonist in the story, like ask yourself, is this antagonist the best suited to tackling the unique weaknesses that my character has? And if the answer is no, then maybe there's sort of a generic antagonist that could fit into any story. But if there's something that you can do to make that antagonist more tailored to the weaknesses that are within your character, that's really good. Like Darth Vader probably works in a lot of stories, would work for a lot of Star Wars characters. But he is particularly well suited to Luke Skywalker because, spoiler, it's his dad. So there's another layer of conflict there. Yeah, sorry, Rob. Sorry, Rob. That was a, that was a big spoiler. Probably should have Bastard. put a spoiler warning on it. Next yeah. thing you know, you're sorry for telling me that, you Star know, like Sixth Sense, they were dead all along. Oh. <laughs> have your parents told you about, like, <laughs> Santa Claus and the Fairy and something? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we need to slap a big... But um, I think what you're talking about is when, like, if the character is quite often, like, the, the dark, you know, the antagonist, the villain, is the dark mirror of the... The shadow. The, the hero, yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, they can be a, a representation of what the, the protagonist could become if they fell to the dark side or, you know, that, mm. that sort of thing. It's a, it, it's, it's a good way to... Even what the protagonist is becoming... In, in the effort yes. to best their antagonists, sometimes they, they sink down to the same levels and it, you know, so you got to know your protagonist really well and know what they're afraid of and what they're capable of and mm -hmm. um, what line they wouldn't cross and yep. what you can put in front of them to make them cross that line. And then in that, yes. you can build yep. an antagonist or a system or... Yeah. An event that really fucks them yeah, up. Yeah, an an, an antagonist almost has to be kind of tailor made to to your protagonists. Yes. Um, it has to be the kind of person, creature, whatever that 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 particularly um, can can affect what that protagonist does. I have a. Um, there's a kind of a final boss in, in Paternus that, uh, uh, I'll try not to be spoilerish. Yeah, but, don't spoil it. Uh, I read the last you, book. You, you figure there's, there, there's a motivation in, in what he's doing. Um, but, but, uh, even more terrifying to me is like a true nihilist, right? Who just, you think they want something, power, riches, uh, whatever it meet revenge um but the a true nihilist who just doesn't care honestly if they win or lose as long as they burn it all down how do you um, make that person interesting though i mean the, the desires yeah. and working towards something like character well, you, you with a with a true nihilist you're how do you get yeah. that read read book three and then you tell me <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good way to been an ad for Paternus. <laughs> um, we all got school because, in marketing uh, right there. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's more. It's yeah, more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't even know why I said that. He wrote the book. He's just fucking with me. He already. <laughs> it. He did it. He did it very well. Classic. Um, the. Uh, uh, I think it's it's um, it's. Uh, I think I, uh, I tried to get away with it, whether I did or not, by really just kind of revealing that toward the end, that, that 
that trait of that character. Um, has, has so it's almost like a gut. It's 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 like a gut punch. It's it came out last July, a week, a year ago, last July. So. Are you finding that people are responding so, to it um, the way oh, overall responding to oh, it yeah, the way yeah. that you? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's a good feeling. Yeah, yep. So he yeah, does make no, it compelling. Yeah, it's, is the answer. <laughs> well, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I know it's like more a, like in technical terms, like how, how do you make that work? How do you take someone who just wants to learn the world? You're like, that's cool, and I can absolutely totally relate. Um, yeah. But then to make them like but, a, an interesting character, they don't actually want any. Well, he's he's he's, he's been around. He's been around for a very long time. He's been a bad guy on and off um, throughout throughout time bad guy. history history of myth and legend and the world basically. And uh, he's just he he's super super smart um, and uh, and very powerful. Um, so and he's. He, uh, I think it's mostly in his interactions with the other characters, um, the way he speaks, the way he acts, uh, the choices he makes. I think are far more, are are, are what what hopefully make him interesting as opposed to um, just the fact that we get just this the gut, gut, that we get this gut punch at the end of what he's really really up to. Um, and has been all along and has been preparing for this for nearly 20,000 years. I think literally. you do um, succeed with it. And I think the, the, the way that you make um, the bad guy interesting without spoilers again, uh, is the fact is you make him interesting with the rhetoric that, um, you know, sort of like the, 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 the conversations with um, the good guys and the fact that, he tries to make, despite the fact that he's trying to burn down the world, he's trying to make it reasonable. It, it's <laughs> he makes it trying to make it sound reasonable. Yeah, so yeah. he'll be. It's, it's essentially <laughs> like, like it's an argument idea. with somebody who's like saying, "Stop burning down the world," and and he's actually tell he's explaining his side of things in a way that makes you think, "Yeah, maybe burning down the world's not a bad idea after all." I'm glad. It- what, I'm glad it worked. What's the yeah. for you. name in the it's, Matrix? It's kind of like, um, Agent what, Smith. I don't remember. Yeah, Smith. The, yeah, Agent Smith in the Matrix, where he's talking about how we're all parasites, and you kind of go like, "Yeah, he's he's not wrong, though. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> he's not wrong. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> he's not wrong. Well, that, that's like the the, we, the Thanos bad guy, isn't it? It's kind of like, well. Hmm. I mean, you yeah. can kind of see his point in that he, okay, what he's trying to do is is monstrous to, you know, beyond d- any sort of degree. But he's doing it for a reason yeah. that he believes is mm-hmm. right. And he's, he thinks it's the it right thing to do. In such a way that yeah. he, can, he can make you think yeah. maybe he is right, you know, or maybe he has a yeah. point. Yeah. Because yeah, he has he's such the, he's the perfect, in his own He's core. the perfect... Um, yeah, he's the perfect example of the uh, of the of the bad guy who is the hero of his own story. Yeah. Um, but funnily enough, yeah. it's also yeah. like in the example. second the Avengers, yeah. he, he, his character falls apart because oh, he loses the population of the universe. That was insane. He's like, all you're doing then is stalling over population again. Like, you achieve nothing. That made no <laughs> sense as a like plot point to drive for him. But, um, but it was yeah, fun. And, it was yeah, it was cool. I loved the and creating issues with the uh, societal collapse and everything. Like, I'm going to wipe out half the population 
to achieve this great absolutely nothing. That, it doesn't matter. It's the <laughs> fact that that's that's probably that the key to... It. Yeah. I think Rob's onto that. It doesn't matter the logic the behind it. It's the motivations that we reveal. Yeah, if if you can, if go ahead, if he can go, go ahead, start out Krista. his argument and make kind of a good point, and I think also nobody thinks they're the villain in their story. Every like everybody knows or everybody feels like they're doing something for a good reason, um, and it's just whether or not people around them agree that it's a good reason. And so I think that's probably the key to making it compelling is that this person really truly believes they're doing something important and meaningful but also they're slaughtering half the population <laughs> so it that's probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i kind of did the opposite where you think it's for those kinds of reasons or just power but it's really that he just wants to wipe it all out he's got a daddy complex <laughs> <laughs> sometimes you just want to hit yes, reset yeah. on the entire universe yeah, that's yep. it. Control yeah, really and restart. How, how so we can wrap this episode up in a... to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> when I find I a spider in the house, I want to burn it to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, are, you're scared of spiders, Doug. Do are you are you scared Am of spiders, Doug? No, no, I'm not. I wouldn't say scared. I really just I don't like them. I was going to say, like, I, mean, I don't kill I'm them. I actually, if if I can catch them, I will take them outside. But oh, I can't I'm, catch them. I can't get close yeah. to them. But like, I'm terrified of spiders, so I keep yeah. I keep adding spiders into my into my stories. <laughs> like yeah. it's really weird. Yeah, like, right, one, right, of the, one of the villains in Spirits of Vengeance uh, is literally a spider demon, <laughs> uh, and I'm terrified of spiders. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the 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 one character I said I said just does really nasty, horrible things throughout. Uh, it's a spider, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Awesome. So we, we've got to wrap this episode up, but um, as we close out, I thought we could each take max of thirty seconds because we are running close to the time limit on the free trial of this software. But max of thirty <laughs> seconds to quickly describe your favorite villain. Or favorite antagonist, rather, Ugh. in a book, specifically a book. So thirty Gosh. seconds max each. Um, I go last. Give us time. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start with a choice that sort of like is not an antagonist from some perspectives, but is from the others. Glotka from the First Law, I think, is a fantastic antagonist who is most antagonists that create a sense of threat in stories have some sort of physical strength. Glocker is great because his strength is totally mental and social. And I love the fact that he's able to manipulate other people just through his words while being physically quite weak. And also the fact that he does horrible things, but you're also really excited when he tortures people. Rob, <laughs> you wanna, or do you want more time to think? I've got a clue. And come back to you. <laughs> okay, does anyone else have theirs to go? I got a, I um... uh... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Yep, Crystal, go for it. Okay, I'm going. Okay, so Crystal, I, I think of uh, David Gemmell, um, his book Stormrider, the antagonist in it is uh, Cernanos, the Celtic god. And it's the same sort of thing where it's like he's wanting to destroy and wipe and just like do a reset. 
but it's done it's done really well and it's that it has that same conversation of you know he's talking to the main character about why he wants to do this and you're like yeah you're not wrong (laughs) so that's it's that same thing of just like I think if I were that powerful, I don't know. I, I feel like I can relate to this guy. So there you go. Fair enough. There you go. Uh, Dirk or Mike, do you have one to go off with? Go, Mike. Uh, I was thinking um, uh, Merith from uh, Empires of Dust uh, and Smith's works stuff. Um, I mean, he's kind of a main character. He's kind of the bad guy. Um, and he's just this sort of junkie with power fucking love those (laughs) books and how well he was written and uh sort of the uh his love interests eventual sort of uh you know her character arc it it kind of really for me about her and not him at all even though he's like the the sort of reborn you know god in waiting or whatever you want to call him but uh yeah that was Cool. Uh, I think uh, I was like, oh, no, I can't do this. Oh, yes, I can. Uh, I'm going to go old school, oldest school. Uh, Sauron and the Nazgul um, <laughs> from from Lord of the Rings. Uh, just I remember just being mortified by those Nazgul and that weird little sword that he stick the one sticks Frodo with. And uh, it just they just creeped creeped me out a lot and still are just really really nasty and they're still they're like smart and they're driven and they're like they're like half they're like conscious but not conscious and just these driven unstoppable forces um so yeah yes it's a cool choice rob okay uh I think I'll probably go with uh, Captain Kennet from uh, The Live Ship Traders um, by Robin Hobb. Um, I, he, he's a villain that def- definitely has stayed with me throughout the years because he's, he's a despicable person doing absolutely horrific things. Um, and he's a pirate. Uh, but he's so charismatic that you kind of find yourself leaning towards him even as he's doing these absolutely horrible things and you find yourself drawn to him um, and the way that Robin Hobb manages to sort of like get across his, his point of view, why he's doing things, his backstory is, you know, all of that lot throughout and it just makes you sympathise with him again, despite the fact that he is horrific. So, yes. All right, great. Um, so, yeah, listeners, like, let us know what villains do you or antagonists do you find very compelling you can either write it in the comments if you're watching on youtube or send us an email wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com uh if you would like to help support the show you can check out our patreon patreon.com forward slash wizardswarriorswords there's also a link in the show notes below and for a monthly donation on patreon you can get access to free advanced reader copies of our books and a whole bunch of other goodies as well so as we wrap up this episode thanks crystal for joining us really appreciate your presence and Thank you very much for having me. Say goodbye. And my dog. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Hopefully that gets edited out a bit. Um, we'll see how that goes. And thank you, everybody, for watching or listening. It. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Okay, so. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 